Day seven of Streak Week. We're coming to a close on this eight-day, eight-episode run on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And this is episode 162 with Stuart Mason. Stuart Mason, along with, I believe he said, 35 other folks, helps run Megasportsnews.com. And he's a 42-year veteran of the radio broadcasting industry, especially around here in Southwest Ohio and Columbus, Ohio. Can't wait to get to the interview. But first, a quick word from our network of 12-Ounce Sports. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about my bookie. Since 2014, it's the place where you can bet on anything, anywhere, anytime. Get up to $1,000 on your first deposit bonus. Use the promo code 120ZSports. As well as sports betting, you can play some casino games, take in some live odds in Madden 20 and NBA 2K20, and even bet with Bitcoin. Visit mybookie.ag and use that promo code 120ZSports. That's 120ZSports. MyBookie, the industry's most rewarding loyalty program. It's episode 162 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and our special guest is Stuart Mason, a 42-year veteran of the radio broadcasting industry, the owner of Megasportsnews.com, and someone who's seen a lot of sports in his career. We'll talk about his career, local sports, and more on this edition of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to sports happening in the Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio region. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. Follow the host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen and the podcast at Cindy Pod. Opening theme is Arpy by Dan Hennig from the YouTube Music Library Collection. Now for your host, Lee W. Mowen. On the phone right now is Stuart Mason. He owns Megasportsnews.com and he is a 42-year veteran of the radio broadcasting industry. Stuart, it's great to have you aboard. How are you this afternoon? Lee, it's great to be a part of your show. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I took a little nap because I got to go to work so early and do a lot of different things. So I I took a little nap to get ready and uh, we're ready to go. It's great to have you aboard, and I believe this is going to be a great episode. So let's begin. Where are you from? I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. That's why you always see me uh, down in the Dayton area covering the Wright State Raiders and the Dayton Flyers. I love those two schools and those two basketball, those two athletic programs. Um, I always have kept – I've been in Columbus since 1978, but I've always kept in touch uh, with – uh, with my hometown teams, I've been covering the Raiders uh, since 1982, uh, and I think I've been covering the Flyers since '83. So um, I-, I keep abreast of what's going on down there in Dayton. Luckily, Columbus isn't too far from Dayton, and that's how I met you from a Dayton Flyers women's basketball game. I don't think it was the A10 tournament, but it was somewhere close enough to that. 
Uh, would have would have been maybe the NCAA tournament. No, because uh, this year was the first time you know, you know we ever talked. I, I forget which game it is. It was it George Washington. I I don't know. It's I met yeah Dayton okay. game. So, but when did you get into sports? What started your love for sports? Well, I grew up uh, watching and listening um, to Chris Harris and Bucky Bockhorn during the Flyer games. Uh, I remember years ago, I used to listen to the Raiders. Um, and then I always, I always loved Tom Hamlin and Omar Williams, uh, those guys. And um, uh, Hamlin used to do the uh, Flyer games, and then Omar did the Miami Red Hawks, which at that time was the Redskins. And uh, I just always thought that I could do it if I was given a chance. Now, my mother wanted me to be a school teacher, so I, I, do, I do have a degree in that. I did that for a while. I, it wasn't for me, but I always uh, in college did radio on the side because in, in our business, you know, you have to have something on the side. So um, there were, I had to make a decision. Uh, I was uh, part-time in radio the first five years, and then uh, I had a decision to make whether I wanted to continue to teach or um, continue with radio and then uh, full-time, and then my wife said, you do whatever you think is right for you. So um, uh, to, to go back a little further, uh, I went to Audubon College. I was at Ohio Dominican for about a year. Uh, got, a, got to learn the, D, the DJ side of the business. And then I went to Audubon, and uh, they, had, they do all kinds of sports. And so I met Dom Tiberi, who's worked at Channel 10 here. Uh, he, him and Kevin Ray, we all went to school together. And Dom, I begged Dom to let me do sports. He, I said, if I do one game with you and I mess up, I'll never bother you again. Well, I'll, I've always been one that's been so prepared. I came, he said, okay, you do the whole pregame show. So I, you know, the first game I ever did was Baltimore Wallace basketball against Otterbein College because they're in the OAC. And so I came with all this stuff prepared, and Dom said, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. So Dom Tiberi kind of was the one that gave me my big break as far as sports broadcasting. And Dom's been in the Columbus area for quite some time now, hasn't he? Yes. Dom um, Dom was a year ahead of me in school because um, I, I went to Sinclair to start off because I didn't know if I wanted to go four years. And then I, I messed around and had to go to Ohio Dominican because I got my stuff in too late at Otterbein. They said, well, you can come in the next year. So I kind of was in college a long time. I was two years at Sinclair, got a degree there, went to one year at Ohio Dominican, and then finished up with three years at, at Otterbein. So I was one of those six-year guys. <laughs> um, but uh, Dom, uh, Dom's had a blessed career because he started as an intern at WBNS. 10 TV here in Columbus, and he's been there ever since he was an intern. And he's another one of those 40-year guys in the business. You might want to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get into the Columbus area that much, but I know his name just because he's, A, had a very long tenure career in Columbus, and it's just one of the names you know, and that's coming from someone that really hasn't seen any Columbus TV, so... Definitely. Mm -hmm. Now, when did you decide that you wanted to be a broadcaster? Oh, wow. Um, when I was in high school, um, we, uh, we had a radio station. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think WCJ, WCDR, something like that. But anyway, we had a little radio station. Was in a they took an old janitor's closet and made a radio station there because I went to Chaminade Julianne, and um, I went. It was for the, my first year was just Chaminade. All the boys were at Chaminade. All the girls were at Julianne. Then my sophomore year, they combined the two schools, and you know I really didn't want to go to Chaminade at all because it was all boys' school. My mother said, "Well, just go there for a year, and if you don't like it, you can go to Rolf." Because we lived in the Rolf school district um but then i loved it so much I, I made so many friends and people who i'm still friends with and uh it was a great experience uh so i got in, involved in radio and then it kind of translated over to college and so i did that on the side along with um doing uh you know my teaching and stuff like that and and my studies and so um you know um, I was fortunate enough and, and blessed enough to work in professional radio when I was a sophomore in college. So uh, that goes to show you I was good enough at the time, but I still had some seasoning. You know, I still had some things to learn. And I used to have a real bad speech impediment. I couldn't talk to you like I'm talking now, but I, my wife got me in these classes, and that got rid of that speech impediment um, a, a great deal and it has really helped me because you know in our business you can't really have a speech impediment and be successful in this business you'll never go anywhere uh, but I was able to get rid of that and uh, so that was when I basically you know started to get into radio I mean I knew I wanted to do it you just have to in our business you have to get the chance mm-hmm. can you tell me your first big break in the broadcasting field yes um I was working, um, I was doing some uh, internship work uh, at WCBO uh, in Gahanna, mm-hmm. and Pat, Paul Pat Patterson, the late Paul Pat Patterson, uh, God rest his soul, he gave me a chance. Uh, WCBO at the time was a, a non-commercial a station. Um, their funds came from uh, donations and stuff, and so he saw something in me, and um, he hired me uh, on staff, and then um, there was a job that opened up at WCLT AM and FM in Newark. Uh, the Pricer family owned that station, and they still do to this day. Uh, Doug Pricer was the program director. He hired me, and I got to work there for a little bit. And um, uh, I got to learn about automation, and, and he, they had an AM and FM station, so I got to work on AM and FM and then do some sports and so. Uh, that panned out. And then what happened was um, the prices decided to go another direction. And so, and I I wanted to, you know, I didn't like driving to Newark every day. So, although Newark's not that far from Columbus, I just didn't like, I mean, my wife didn't like the hours I was working. I was working midnight. I was working four to midnight. And it was kind of cutting into our family time. So, because I had just got married right before I took that job. So then WCEO, uh, Pat Patterson, said, I got a full-time job for you. We're going to let you be our sports guy, and we're going to let you flourish, and we're going to let you learn, and we're going to let you do what you basically want to do. And so I got to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, I did um, – I worked overnight. One of the things that when you're in radio and you just start out, Lee, I think you probably know this, You they'll let you do what you want to do, but you got to do what they want you to do first. So I had to work as a DJ um, – you know, overnight, and then I would come in at midnight and work, and then I, I would get my sports together, and I would record it during the times when I was working church programs and stuff like that. And it actually worked out pretty good because I had I would record stuff in the morning, 
and you would hear it like, you know, I had a sports reports 20 till uh, uh, basically inside of the bottom of the, of the open spots. The church programs like ran like 25 minutes, so they had to fill spots. Instead of filling with PSA, they put sports in there. So um, I got to do in the 6 a.m., uh, 7, 8, and 9 a.m. Uh, hours in the morning. And then I did a, a five-minute sports report at noon. And then at 6 o'clock in the evening, I did a, a sports report. All this stuff was recorded in the morning overnight. So, And I always knew how to make it to where people thought I was actually there. And um, they let me do all kinds of stuff. I did a, uh, I did an Otterbein um, a basketball, a football report, and I did a, a capital football report and basketball with both schools. And so, because I felt they were the two Columbus schools, so I got to do both those. I learned how to do a, a regular show, uh, interviewing coaches. I got to, I got a good report with the coaches and stuff. So WCVL was really uh, my big break because I was there for eight years. Uh, from 1982 to 1990, and I really got, I owe a lot to that station because they let me um, show my talents, and I learned everything. I mean, we had all, you know, WCVO might, you know, might have been a Christian station, but we had so many talented people at that radio station. It was unbelievable, and um, we had so many broadcast studios. Like, you could you could be in one production, one studio doing production. You could be in another studio on the air. And there was a main studio, and there was two or three other studios. Uh, there was even a studio in the basement. I mean, that station was so well equipped, and I got to learn. I could go in the studio and work out all the kinks on the air. You know, they would air check me, and they say, "Stu, you got to work on this and this and this." And so, I was able to learn a lot. And I thought, for for to be honest with you, you know, you get in a job and you settle in, you don't want to move. I never wanted to leave that station because I felt that was my safety valve. Well, Pat Patterson told me one day, he said, Stu, you're, you're getting too good for us. And, you know, the money, you know, the money we're paying you, you, you can only go so high. So then I left there and went down to WLOH in Lancaster, and I showcased that I could actually work amongst other people and really, really be good. Uh, that was going to be my next question. After 1990, I mean, you've had a long 42-year career. What was what was after Lancaster? Um, you know, I've got a, you know I've got a chance to work at some really good radio stations. Um, uh, after I went to uh, Lancaster, you know, LOH at the time was um, brother and sister with uh, WHOK, which was K95 FM. That was the country station. I got to meet a lot of great people, and I learned from a lot of people in my career. I mean, I learned from Jeff Dickerson, who's now, uh, uh, I think he's a mayor uh, down in Logan or council member or something. I learned from Max Raines. I learned from Carson Cornell. Uh, I, worked, I worked with Scott Haskins, Marty James, Terry Silver, Stephanie Booker. I learned from all these people. Uh, when I was at WCVL, I worked with uh, Gary Flory, who's a pastor now. Uh, uh, Dan McLaughlin, he's a pastor. Melvin Royster, uh, William Dotson, Anderson Reed. I worked with so many people. And then I always said I was going to work at WVKO, which was the black station here. And my wife was always pushing for me to work there <laughs> because, you know, because she could hear me, you know, right here in the city. But anyway, I got a chance to work there. And um, and right across the hall was K95 WSNYFM. So I got to work with uh, I was I was fortunate enough to be the rover. And I got to work at these other stations when I was working at WCVO. Mm -hmm. uh, Pat Patterson didn't care as long as it didn't interfere with 
what I was doing at WCVO. But when I was at VKO, they were they went they went on from sunrise to sunset, and I was the floater guy. Mm-hmm. I got to work morning show, the middays, and the evening show, and then on weekends I got to work two shifts. So I, I got to learn from Casey Jones, uh, the late Kirk Bishop, Keith Antone. Uh, then on, on Sunday 95, I mean, all the talent that we had on that those two stations, you had Chuck Martin, you had Bob Nunnally, uh, Bob Simpson, you had Marty McNeil. Uh, I could just name, and I could name a lot of people that we had uh, that I learned from, and I and I was sitting in the studio with these people just watching and writing, and said, what are you writing? I'm, I'm writing down everything. I think that's one of the reasons, Lee, why I've lasted so long, because I learned how to do more than just DJ and do sports. I can do news. I've done remotes. I've done just about everything in radio with the exception of, of running a station. I mean, I've never run a station. I've been an assistant PD before, but I've never been like the PD or I've never been a general manager. I really don't want those two positions because they're, I just don't want to do those. But, um, but I just love what I'm doing. I've, I've had a blessed career. Uh, who would have thought I'd be in it this long? And you know how our radio's changing these days. I mean, a lot of us have been around 42 years. I mean, how often will that, will that occur anymore in our business? Uh, I, I don't think a lot just because of the fact you know, a lot of radio stations aren't locally owned anymore. They're owned by a big enterprise, a big conglomerate, and you see all these, you see all these news releases of, "Hey, we're gonna release all these people now because we need to save money." Bye. It's just right. It's tough. It's tough. Now, my next question is: When did you start operating MegasportsNews.com? That's a good question. Uh, it really wasn't me. It was my late wife, Nancy, Nancy uh, L. Mason. Um, my wife used to follow me around, and by me working all these different jobs, uh, when, when I started doing football games up at WPKL, I did football for them for 25 years. And uh, my wife would tag along with me, and she had this notebook, and she was writing all this stuff down. We did games. I did, I did what they called the bonus games, and I'll tell you how that started. Uh, WPKL, they always had a game of the week on the FM mm-hmm. and a game of the week on the AM. The Chieftains were on the AM, WBLL AM. And then uh, WPKL FM was always the game, the best game of the week. And then I always did the bonus game, which was the second best game of the week. And sometimes it ended up being the best game of the week. But, <laughs> but Lou Vito had this idea. And he said, Stu, he said, um, do you have your own broadcast equipment? And my wife and I used to buy equipment like radio stations I worked for with cell equipment. And Nancy said, well, I'm going to buy this stuff for you. She had this vision. My wife was kind of like a little reader. She could just had a vision of stuff. So we would buy all this stuff. And I had a studio, always had a studio at home. So my wife was writing all this stuff down. She said, how do you guys get these games on the internet? I said, well, you need an air card and you need, you need to have, uh, uh, you have to download a program from the internet. And so, we, you know, we were using Easy Stream, so you know when we started Megasportsnews.com, we were using that, and now we're using Meridix.com. But anyway, my wife came up with this for my 52nd birthday. It was 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. I'll be 62 coming up in about three days. So um, she said, "How would you like to have a Megasportsnews.com?" I said, "Well, what is that?" And she said, "This is something I'm working on. I've been having it in my mind, and this is what we're going to do." 
So I said, okay. And I said, I don't know what I would need with a with a website because I know updating websites and I know how that is. So my wife got some called some of my friends and people I worked with. So most of our staff is people that I've worked with or she knew. Um, uh, Nate Nate Smith, who works for the Bell Fountain Examiner, he was the one. He was the one who. Um, um, uh, he was the person who developed the website because he's a website developer. And so he was one of my partners on the broadcast crew at WPKO. So him and Nancy were getting together. I didn't know nothing about all this. So anyway, um, Nancy, we had all this equipment. And so, um, Nancy said, we're going to broadcast the Columbus city league games. Well, nobody here in Columbus was doing those games other than maybe a few TV games here and there. So I told Nancy, I said, look, you cannot just go out and do games at these city schools or any school. You got to talk to the AD. First of all, you got to talk to the um, superintendent of schools, which we made an appointment. We went to talk to her. So then I told my wife, I said, well, I asked her, I said, well, you wanted me home on Friday nights. Uh, other than just doing football, you want home, wanted me home. She said, no, I want you to do these games because it's important for the kids. So February 15th. Uh, 2010 was when Mega Sports News became a reality. And so what my wife did was she captured the fact that I was a radio guy and I had all this information, I had all these contacts, and I had all these um, people that I knew because I told her she just can't put web, you can't put releases and stuff on websites without getting permission. So the fact that I knew MLB and I knew MLS and all these different things, uh, she sat down and called all these people and, 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 and asked permission. They said, yes, as long as you give us credit. So that's how Mega Sports News became a reality. And, with the, and it's not just me. We have like 35 people that work with us. So, um, but, but, you know, it, it capitalizes on what I can do, but other people have a lot of strengths too. Um, so, you know, and I got some people that are very, very loyal to me, Charles Farmer, Jeff Rapp, some of these guys you might have heard of. Um, let's see who else, uh, uh, Josh Kazinger, um, Tony Fisher, uh, Dan Hopp. We got a lot of people have been with us since day one. We got like 15 people been with us since day one. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been more of a success than I thought it would be. And to be honest with you, it's not really nothing I've done. It's, it's just, it's the work of a lot of people. You mentioned 35 other folks. I mean, that's, that's a lot of sports. It is, you know, we got people that can write and post. Uh, I have, I get a lot of people from around the country I don't even know, and they just say, "Hey, I want to do something for Mega Sports. Can I do this and this and this?" And I say, "Yeah." And so I met a guy at the first four Dayton two years ago. I think when the Texas Southern was there, they're from the Houston area, mm-hmm. and this guy just happened to see me. And he said, "You're Stu Mason, aren't you?" I said, uh, yeah, where are you? <laughs> he said, I know you from megasportsnews.com. He said, I'm a follower. I'm like, well, thank you. So I always ask people what we can do to improve things. Now, there's some things we're going to do to improve the website. Uh, there's some things I want to do to incorporate. I think we need to do some more videos and some stuff like that. And so I'm going to be working on that. I'm going to upgrade the website a little bit. Uh, and you're probably wondering, how do I have time to do all this stuff? Well, my brother, my wife, when she passed, she left him in charge of it. Because he's more of a general manager than I am because he's been a manager of different businesses. So mm-hmm. he takes a lot of load off me. He deals with all that stuff that I don't need to deal with now. The final call is my decision. Like, if, okay, if it comes down to a money thing, uh, he'll come to me and say, okay, do you want to do this or not? And I usually, 
if he says, yes, let's do it, if not, I'll say no, because he knows more about the business than I do. But if it wasn't for him, and then Stephanie Lee, she worked with my wife. She was my wife's goddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, worked close with Nancy, and she's the one who got all the sponsors. And, and the thing about our sponsors, this is something, my wife was kind of smart. <laughs> she, um, all the sponsors we have are basically people we dealt with, and they're no more than five miles, within a five to ten mile radius of my house. And so uh, Stephanie Lee, she takes care of all that stuff. And now if a spot, we get a new sponsor, so I want to meet the owner, then I got to dress up and go meet these people and all. It's no big deal. But uh, generally, people that sponsor with us have heard about us from other people. And so, I mean, you know, that was, that was my wife's dream. I mean, she basically, when she retired before she passed, that's all she did was the website. And I let her deal with all this other stuff. And I, the only thing I did was just broadcast the games. Every once in a while, you see me write a story or post or whatever. Uh, but basically, I just do the broadcast of the games. That's about it. Your wife sounds like an amazing lady. I mean, that's that story and the reach of the website and the success. That's that's great. I, I, I know that's... And you know, and you know, Lee, when my wife passed away, a lot of the people on the website were, I thought the website was going to go away, to be honest with you, because they were so loyal to Nancy, because she just had a way with people. She could get people who would say no to say yes. So I had to tell everybody, I got everybody on the conference call, and I said, guys, I got some bad news. And I told everybody, and there was so much crying, and and I said, but if you guys don't want to continue with this, I understand because you were loyal to Nancy and she got you aboard, blah, blah, blah. They said, no, we want, we want, we want, we still want to keep her dream alive. And then you check this out, Lee, mm-hmm. her voice is still on a lot of the spots we do. Now, some of them have been deleted because uh, obviously um, some things have changed, but some of the sponsors said, now, I want Mrs. Mason's voice to stay on. You can get somebody else to do a newer copy, but this is what I want her voice to remain. So we have her voice on a lot of spots and uh it's really strange because i'll be at these games and i hear her voice and i'm like i'm trying to not tear up but i do because i hear her voice because i don't hear her voice any other time until i do a game so uh but the sponsors that's what they want and you know how it is this is a sponsor driven business and what they want they get pretty much money keeps going in you know the dream keeps alive once the money stops yeah so I mean, that that is a tremendous story. So what do you cover as a broadcaster with Mega Sports News? You mentioned the Columbus City League. Uh, tell me some of the teams and the uh, sports that you get to do. Well, you know, um, my job at WPKO and WBLL, actually VTAC Communications, my job is I'm the main one of the main reporters for that station. So uh, whatever I cover... I get a chance to post it on the website. Now, the station obviously gets the first dibs on the audio and all that kind of stuff, and then I kind of do other things so it don't sound the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say, for instance, I go cover a NASCAR event, and the winner is um, um, Jimmy Johnson, okay? Mm-hmm. The cuts that I don't use, and, and I'm also, I don't know if you know, I also do stuff for um, Art Media, Metro Networks, all that. So I'm doing a lot of... Uh, um, national correspondence stuff. So I, I, I'm pretty experienced enough. Whatever cuts I give Metro, 
I don't give the station unless they ask for, oh, I want that particular cut or whatever, or I need something from this guy. So I'm able to get enough cuts to where we, it all falls down the same. So, but I cover NASCAR, NHRA, IndyCar, MLB, Major League Soccer. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, man, I've covered so much stuff. I don't do a lot with the NBA because the NBA's never really uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? They've never really – responded to me that much. I used to do some stuff with the Cavs, but the NBA is one entity I hardly ever do anything with. Um, but if you name it, we do it. And, and I'm able to post all that stuff on the website. And, and that's what basically makes the website go because all the stuff that I have access to, uh, it's really, really good. You know, uh, like I said, I do Ohio State basketball, Ohio State football. Um, and, you know, I, can, I, I, I used to do University of Cincinnati football and basketball and Miami Redhawks football and basketball, but I just don't have time for that stuff. Anymore. I just don't have time for it. Um, and, you know, I used to do Dayton football. I do that every once in a while. Uh, every once in a while, I'll do Otterbein and Capital just to get them on because they've been really good to us as far as giving us information and stuff. And, and the OAC schools, you know, I get their stuff on. And we're, I think next year we're going to try and get – Coming up, we're going to try to get some of the NCAC schools, like you know, like the close ones, like Muskingum and Ohio Wesley and Kenyon, and get their stuff up. So there's some things we can do on the website to improve uh, that I want to do. And um, my schedule is going to scale back here uh, enough to where I'm going to be just doing game coverage only. And so uh, I had another little job I was doing on the side to help people out. I'm not going to do that no more. Uh, like I said, I'll be 62 in a, three days, and I'm, I want to scale back on some things so I can have time to, to make sure this website is updated and all that stuff. Because sometimes we, sometimes when 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 I'm away, the the, the website don't get updated like I want it to. So, um, like one day, I think one week we went like a week, and I told the guys we can't do that. We gotta we gotta be if we want to be the be the best, we've got to update the website at least every other day. You know. Don't wait five days or ten days because then people don't want to be bothered with us anymore. So that's where my attention will come. My my opening up uh, more time will help with that. I remember a while back uh, you were very excited to call was it Centennial Stars basketball game, and that's one of the yes, East- the cent- yes, Centennial. They they um, you know, I don't know if you know their football team uh, had a lot of firsts this past year. We got to do them. And I uh, got to feature their players. And I tell you what, uh, Coach Goolsby's got that program doing, going. And then the basketball program under Roosevelt Osborne, he's got it going. And I tell you what, Centennial is one of the up-and-coming schools in that um, city north division. Take me through some of Columbus sports. It's it's something that I don't know that much about. Take me through what goes on during a normal season in Columbus, Ohio, USA? Well, you know, you got, um, I'm pretty busy in the fall because you got the Columbus crew soccer. Mm-hmm. It's still going on. And then during the summer, that's basically all I have. And I don't do too much with the Columbus Clippers. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the time. I usually have somebody else do that. But, uh, you know, you got the clip, the, the crew and the um, uh, Buckeyes running at the same time. Then the Blue Jackets start up in September. So I'm doing that. That's one of my beats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that keeps me busy because I had every, just about every home game unless there's a conflict with Ohio State or Dayton or something. Um, but uh, Columbus sports, there's a lot to do. Here. There's a lot of sports to cover here. Um, 
obviously, Lee, as you know, there hasn't been nothing to cover since I think the last event I covered was the Flyers when they played George Washington. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm keeping busy. I'm still doing interviews on the phone like this, and, and I've done some interviews with some players and some Hall of Famers and stuff like that. Um, but uh, Columbus Sports, when things are going okay, it, it, it's pretty vibrant, you know, because you'd be surprised when the, the crew might be playing the game, they'll have 20,000 people. Uh, the Blue Jackets might have a game in the same day, and they'll have, they have about 18,000 people. And then the Buckeyes, if they're playing the same day, they have a hundred thousand people. So, you know, sometimes you got all these sports running together, and they're and and all of them have plenty of people that like those those teams. So, you know, I mean, when I first came here in Columbus in 1978, all we had was the Buckeyes and the Clippers. We did not have the Crew, and we did not have the Blue Jackets. And that has really made this this town very attractive to a lot of people because now we got pro sports. And, you know, there was talk about us maybe getting an NBA development team, but I don't know if that will happen because Canton's got one. But that would be nice if we could have some, the NBA development league here. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a WNBA team or something like that. But I, I think we've got enough sports here. I mean, there was also the Destroyers for two spells, and next year they're supposed to come in with another indoor football team. And, man, I, I really wish last year that Destroyers team won more than one game because, you know – it was great to have them back in Columbus. You know what they were? I missed them when they left before. Um, but I do know that if they could just find the right people to run the Arena Football League, that is, that's a very entertaining sport. I mean, it's all about offense. It's not about defense. And I love it. And then the giveaways, the fans get to keep the balls when they go in the stands. Uh, and they have these giveaways, and, it's, and, and it, I like the league. I, I even found time to, to go to a few games because, you know, generally the Blue Jackets, uh, they weren't playing, but, um, um, but the, um, you know, they always, because they share the same home with the, with the Blue Jackets. But uh, the thing of it is, though, it was funny to see this football field inside of an arena. It's so exciting. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have these games. that I remember one time when they were here before, um, the coach of the Bears was the quarterback of the team. That's when we went to the Arena Bowl, and my, uh, Matt Nagy. And there was a game, something like seventy to sixty-one. I mean, who ever heard of something like that in football? But it was great, it was great entertainment, Lee. I tell you, uh, it, it's it's and then it, it, like you said, they're talking about coming back with another one next year. So um, uh, you know, uh, the fans came out for the games. I mean, they really enjoyed it, and the ticket prices are affordable. I think when the destroyers came back, they drew close to eight thousand in their return. Is yeah, and you know when they were here before, um, they were averaging about eleven or twelve, I think. But those teams were a lot better. This team, this team just had a lot of bad luck. I mean, there was there was at least four other games they could have won. Uh, but but he just goes to show you that Arena Football League was all about experienced teams, and upstart teams just didn't have a chance. Because, um, like I said, there was three or four other games they could have won. They could have at least been five and seven, uh, but they ended up one and 11. And even in the last game, they almost had a chance to win. But um, I just kind of wish they had a, they found a way to get the Arena League back here because it was really, really exciting. And they gave a chance to some of the Ohio State guys and some of the Otterbein and Capitol guys um, to um, – um, it gave them a chance – 
to hook on because there was a couple of players that played in the city league that was on the destroyers team and uh that was great to see because i saw those kids play in in high school and then to see them play on a pro level that was great absolutely uh i think i remember seeing the Jermaine car family they bought the controlling rights to the indoor football league uh, they have like the iowa barnstormers they have a couple teams in the midwest i think they have one in arizona so, I mean, with all this coronavirus, who's to say that's going to happen? But still, that's that was an interesting tidbit I saw. It's like, wow, bought the entire league's control and coming back to Columbus. I, I'm really hoping it happens in 2021, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more indoor football in Columbus. Just because you mentioned it's such a great sport. My two years broadcasting Dayton Sharks at Hare Arena, man, that was fun. I mean, you can bounce off walls and stay stay in bounds. I mean, like you mentioned, the fans got to keep the balls as well. That's There's nothing like it. There isn't. And, you know, another thing that the Arena Football League did that the NFL or some of these other football leagues don't do is that they let the players have access to the fans and vice versa. After the game, after the media gets with the players, uh, you know, generally there's a select group of players after the game, the stars of the game, as, they, as, as you will. Um, they always had an autograph session, and they had all these photographs. Players would sign them, and they would personally sign them, like, to, to George from uh, whoever. But anyway, uh, and then they got to shake the players' hands and – and they got to take selfies with them if they wanted to. It was just—it's—it's it's just a great family atmosphere where you could take your kids and meet the players that play on the field. I mean, you know, I mean, how many times do you get a chance to do that? Uh, and, and like I said, the Jermaine family—they're uh, one of the bigger. You know, everybody here in Columbus thinks Rikert Automotive is—they're—they're they're big too. But Jermaine is one of the big ones. And that family's got a lot of money, and they know how to do sports advertising, and they know how to get people um, not only to their dealership, but they also know how to get people to the games. And um, they had a lot of the sponsorship that the Destroyers had even the two times they've been here. So, um, yeah, the Jermaine family, I have confidence that they can get things done. But like you said, this coronavirus has really affected a lot of people, and, and it's really sad because, as you know, a program that we love, the Wright State Raiders, mm-hmm. they've had to cut back uh, at least three programs that I know of. And, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people, were, they were blaming Bob Grant and all that. But you know what? You, you, they're not the only uh, school. There's other schools that have cut back. And so a lot of these little um, minor sports is going to take a hit because they have to save money somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that was that was heartbreaking day to see Wright State cut softball, but I'd never blame Bob Grant. I it's not like Bob Grant's like, ha ha, I cut sports. Ha ha. It's a great day. It, it was quite the opposite. He went on a press conference saying it was like the worst days ever had professionally. It's, it was sad, but I mean, Urbana university closed up shop. Like totally everything is closed and they've been in business since yes. the 1830s. That was surprising too. That was surprising too. Lee. I mean, cause Urbana university had an up and coming sports department. Absolutely. They did some work in the Mountain East and Division Two, but I've always heard rumors. I don't know how truthful they were, but I always heard that they the budget was always kind of eh, kind of not great at Urbana. I, I don't know well, how you, true that was, but well you know what they um they had they, they played at Urbana High School, which is almost like a 
College Stadium, one of the best, because I've called a lot of ball games there, and uh, that was a nice stadium. And that's a nice community, too. You kind of feel for those uh, those fans because they love that little that school. Uh, and there was a lot of kids from Columbus that went to school there. So, you know, that, that was sad. that when I heard that, because I was, I can't remember where I was at. I was on the road somewhere, and somebody said, oh, I was visiting some family. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, did you hear about Urbana University? I said, no. I thought maybe some something happened where um, somebody got in trouble or something. But you know how that is. And so they said, no, they cut the, they cut the, they cut everything. I'm like, what? They're one of the up-and-coming schools. It, it was sad. I mean, I've when I was at Central State Broadcasting for a year at Central State and Urbana, that was a great rivalry. And I remember those basketball games at Beacom Lewis being tremendous. And like you mentioned, Urbana, uh, they had a lot of great teams. And now nothing, not even school. They're closed. And I think they beat Dayton in football one year. I think they uh, won on a field goal or something, which is – and Dayton's football team is one of the best around for small college, uh, if, you, if you're going to call it a small college. But a lot of those Division One schools in a non-scholarship football. But, yeah, they beat Dayton one year. Uh, so they, they, their programs were on, uh, on the rise. A couple years after I graduated Wright State, I knew Urbana baseball beat Wright State. I believe it was Urbana. It was like 6-3 to three and – that was mm-hmm. a good Blue Knights squad. But, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. And that leads me a little bit further down the questions. How has the coronavirus affected you and your jobs? It seems like you've you've kept quite busy. and But how has it affected you? Well, I haven't been able to cover anything live. Now, I've done a lot of teleconferences, and I've done, like, NASCAR has a teleconference, IndyCar. I've done those, and then um, Ohio State has something every once in a while with Gene Smith and Ryan Day and uh, Chris Holton, uh, and I did an interview with Ryan Mikesell here lately. Um, I did some stuff with Obi Toppin. Uh, let's see, who else did I do? Um, oh, I did uh, I did a Hall of Fame series thing where I did Paul Petrella. He was a he was at Otterbein or he was at Ball and Walls when I was at Otterbein, and so. Um, he's a Hall of Fame wrestler for Baldwin Wallace, one of the um, stars of the OEC back in the 70s, 80s, or back in that time period. Uh, so I've been keeping busy, and I'm d- doing stuff with you, and I've done stuff with Mike Goodpaster. I, I think you might know Mike Goodpaster, don't you? That name sounds familiar. Um, the Grueling Truth, the Grueling Truth podcast. Uh, why was I thinking? I've done some a... stuff with him. He's down around. So he's he's in the end. He's in the Indiana-Cincinnati area, like the Batesville, Indiana um, area. You know, like the, they call it Casketville because that's where all they make. That's where all the caskets are made. Um, <laughs> I hate to say that, but that's what that town's known for. Um, I never. Knew and so I, I kept busy with doing that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, and I found out that for the first time in years, I probably won't be able to cover the Brickyard 400 because they're only going to let like some national people uh, do and cover that. Um, so, you know, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be some things that is different for me and some of the other guys who are regulars at some of this stuff, uh, because, you know, NASCAR is kind of slowly, they don't have fans back yet, but they're slowly getting other things going. Um, but, uh, I was talking to Matt Humphrey, their, uh, director of communications. And he was telling me the other day about, cause I told him, I said, I haven't really heard anything about Indy, 
but he told me like what might happen. But then Kentucky's coming up, so I might get to cover that. Okay. Um, and then uh, you've got Eldora, um, and there's enough space at Kentucky where I think they can fit guys in with the six with the social distancing and that kind of deal. Because most of the guys will be in the press room, most of them be up in the press box. There's plenty of room down there. Um, and then the Blue Jackets will be coming back to finish up their season. Um, and then we, you know, the crew, the crew's going to be down in Florida, so we ain't got to worry about them no more until next year. Uh, the Buckeyes will be starting back. So it's going to be different. Uh, and, you know, and probably you're going to see guys on uh, with wearing masks interviewing people, which you got to get used to doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I, I put – and, Lee, did you see what I put on Facebook that day? I had a mask on. I said I was one of the Sleary brothers. <laughs> I – I don't remember that, but that's that's great. Because, you know, you're not used to wearing a mask. You look like a robber, you know what I'm saying? I hate to say that, but it's the truth. I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, my mask has always been the medical stuff, so it always looks like, you know, I'm coming out of a hospital or something. But, yeah, it's just... Wow, I mean, could you ever imagine something like this happening? The COVID-19 pandemic and the quarantine? You know what? When it first, when all this stuff shut down, I said, you know what? I bet it's going to start. It's just going to be a trickle down effect. It's just going to, it's going to change the shape of how we cover games and how we cover sports. Uh, uh, I understand it because you don't, you know, we don't know what germs you're spreading. Mm. Uh, you know what germs people are spreading. You just don't know. And I can understand they want to take care of the competitors and all that and. And everything, but it's just going to be different because I've never ever experienced anything like this in my career, and and I've seen a lot in my career. You know, I've seen how technology's changed and how the internet's taken over and social. You know, when you go cover a game, you got social media. Mm-hmm. I got all these accounts I have to keep up with during the game, like uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram and um, Twitter and all this stuff. Some guys do all this other stuff. I can't handle more than three. <laughs> I'm not going to do. Uh, all this other stuff, these guys doing TikTok and all this other stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, it's really weird, Lee, because who would have thought this? I mean, 2020 has not been the year we thought it was going to be. You know, I was really hoping 2020 was going to be something special, and uh, I remember starting off great. I mean, one of my uh, hockey games has a highlight used in Sports Center Top 10, and and then February goes great. I get through high school hockey season, and then March goes around, college baseball, and then there's more talk of the coronavirus, and then, bam, everything shuts down. And I get one baseball game at Wright State, three at UD, and that's – kind of my last uh, sports life so it's um it's it's been tough but uh, i mean with my podcast i'm able to interview folks that i've always wanted to get on the podcast and it, that's how i'm staying busy and i'm hoping there's high school football oh uh, yeah um i was just yeah I, i'm hoping for high school football because uh, we started uh first in goal uh, and my wife picked that name out before she passed. She said, no, if you, if you do Columbus City League football, I want you to do name it first and goal. So then high school bounce, she came up with that for basketball. Um, so we've been doing – Columbus City League just love the fact that we're doing their games. I mean, it's been great for us. It's been great for them. Uh, the kids, when they see us, when they see me, come in, Josh coming to the game, just, oh, we're going to be on tonight. They are so pumped up for that. And I, I love doing it because, you know – I love working, uh, doing the games for 25 years up at WPKO. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I'm kind of glad, you know, um, they wanted to go another direction in the football. They wanted to get younger, which I can understand that. So, um, I, uh, cause I had it in my mind. If, if this happens, cause my wife, she was kind of, like I told you in, in early, she's, I told you she's kind of a reader. Mm-hmm. So she said, you know, one of these days you might want to, um, do games in Columbus cause one of these days they might phase you out. And so and you know how that is Lee in our business, they phase you out sometimes. But anyway, um, <clears throat> Uh, you know, football, what happened was it, it just came about where I had everything ready to go just in case. Mm-hmm. So when when uh, they told me they wanted to go another direction, I said, no hard feelings because I was still working there. So we were covering the games. That's all I care about anyway. And so um, it came down to me just finding a partner. And I knew I had Jeff Rapp and I had Charles Farmer. And then Josh just kind of, came to us in our lap He, because uh, I have a deal with the radio broadcast school, the Ohio Broadcasting School here mm-hmm. in Columbus where we, we have used them as interns and stuff, and I, I found a nice photographer for them. Uh, we've had other people that worked out for us. We've had other people leave us and go elsewhere. Like we got a guy, that uh, Travis Winley, he left us to go to the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had another person leave us and go uh, work for the Reds. So we have, we've had some people that have come through us and gone on, but like I said, by me having my own equipment, I could do, you know, the mega sports. That's why it's successful because my wife had that vision of me having my own equipment, and uh, and, and you know, and, and my wife left us pretty good as far as monies. Uh, anything we need, we can get. Uh, the sponsors help us out. Like the sponsors pay our those OHSAA fees, and we go to tournaments. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're sitting pretty good. We don't really, as far as the website, we don't have to worry about no money. So, um, you know, anytime we need something, we got it. We got, we got some of the best equipment. Um, you know, whenever I needed a computer, like I had a sponsor last year that went out of business, mega pawn shop down on high street. And he had been a sponsor for 10 years. And, and one day he called me in there and said, Hey, um, come on down and pick out what you need. Broadcast, but he, you know, he still paid his fees and everything. And even though he was a, he was going out of business, and I, I felt bad at the wind. I said, "You don't need to pay your fees. You're going out of business." No, he said, "You brought us a lot of business in ten years." So, you know, we had this good rapport with these people. So we feel, you know, we feel blessed. You know, we're not the biggest website. You know, we're not, um, we're not Columbus Wired. We're not, uh, uh, we're not one of the big ones, but, but we're well, we're well respected, and that helps. Absolutely. And you mentioned the reach that you had. Someone from Texas Southern, you know, knew who you were. That's that's huge. I mean, I, the work that Mega Sports News has done, it's it's phenomenal. And it's, it's a very good website, and I definitely recommend for anyone that hasn't visited, go. It's 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 a good time. It's it's a good sports site. So, Stuart, I'd like to... Oh. And, and, and folks, we take suggestions. You think there's anything we need to put up or anything we need to do? Let us know. You know, there's comments. Let us let us know. We're you know we're willing to you know you can send us uh, any comments at megasportsnews at gmail dot com, and we're, we're, we're you know we we welcome any comments pro con if you don't like it. Well, you let us know. We need to know these things. That's how we get better. Stuart, I like to shuffle over to some of your favorites that you've saw in your 42 years of working the business. Uh, give me some of your favorite athletes you got to cover your favorite games, your favorite moments. Uh, take me through 
your favorites? Oh, I tell you, it, <laughs> you we could talk hours on this, but I tell you what, the, the best thing that, that I have been able uh, in my career and blessed is that I was able to interview all the members of the Big Red Machine. Like, you know, I go, I cover the red, so I get a chance to see those guys at the ballpark, uh, talking to Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Cesar Geronimo and all those guys. And uh, I talked to Henry Aaron. I got a chance to talk to uh, Tony Oliva, uh, Harmon Killebrew, because they used to have this, and I wish MLB would come back to this. They used to have a thing called the Equitable Old Timers Games. And that's when all the old timers from the old school days would come and play these old timer games. They'd, they'd be in Cincinnati and they'd be in Cleveland all over the place. So that's how I got all these interviews. Cause I go and I show up and I'd be prepared cause they send out a list. Who's going to be there. And I have all this information, a little file cards and stuff. And so I got a chance to do Billy Williams and I asked Billy Williams something about, I knew he was from Mobile, Alabama. And I asked him how come so many good ball players from there and, I asked him something about his dad, and he said, how do you know all this information? I said, I can read. I can research. We had a good old time. I talked to Mr. Cover and E. Banks, Ron Santo, you name it. I I could talk all day on this. I mean, I got to do uh, Vince Stelly, uh, talk to um, Nolan Ryan, Don Drysdale. Uh, Even though I was a Reds fan growing up, there was a lot of players that I liked on other teams. Like, uh, I talked to Lou Brock. I got a chance to talk to Bob Gibson. Um, oh, Tom Seaver. Uh, you just name it. Uh, Jimmy Wynn, who just died here recently. I got a chance to interview the Toy Cannon, mm-hmm. uh, who's a Cincinnati guy. Uh, I, I've had so many. I've got so many interviews in the archives that I've done with people. It's just been great. Um, the Some of the best events. I've been to, I've been to World Series and Super Bowls and all that. Probably uh, the 1990 Super Bowl stands in uh, mind to me covering that because the Reds are such underdogs to the the, uh, the Homer Happy Oakland A's at that time, the Bash Brothers, I think that's what they called them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was great to see. I mean, the Reds, when Eric Davis put them up two to nothing when he hit that homer off Dave Stewart. And the funny thing about that, was they put the overflow media in the outfield. So we were sitting in right field. Our whole right field upper deck uh, was mostly media. So when when you're sitting in the outfield, you can tell if a ball's a home run because just by the height. So when Eric hit that ball, we're sitting out there, and we knew it was a home run. I mean, because just by the height of the ball, we thought the Reds are going to be up to the nothing here. And then it was fun to be a part of that crowd out there. We could See, when you're sitting in the stands, you can root. But if you're sitting in the press box, you can't. So, <laughs> but uh, that was great. Another thing I've, I've covered, got to cover, um, was um, all these games with the Buckeyes and these bowl games that I've been to. I've been to a couple of national championship games. Mm-hmm. Um, just being around the Buckeyes. Because, you know, I've been I've been covering the Buckeyes since 1983. So I go all the way back to when Earl Bruce was the coach. And, you know, I saw some great players and Chris Spielman and, and uh, uh, William White and Greg Fry and I mean, you just name them. I've, I've, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I was at a lot of those Michigan games when Coach Cooper could not win. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I like to say that because I love Coach Cooper. Yeah. But uh, I've I just had a blessed career. I just, you know, in the thing of it is, Lee, I get to cover the teams that I like. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, who gets to cover the teams they like? 
And, you know, I know we're not supposed to be rooting, but we do. I'm not going to lie about it. We do. We want to see the Buckeyes win. We want to see the Flyers win. We want to see the Raiders win. We want to see uh, the Bearcats win. We want to see the Red Hawks win. I want to see all those teams win. I want to see the Cardinals win. I want to see the Crusaders win. As long as the Crusaders aren't playing the, the Cardinals, I root for Capitol. So, uh, <laughs> but um, the thing of it is, I mean, I just had a blessed career. I mean, I've done just about everything. And somebody asked me when I was going to retire, now that's, that's a tough question because when you're having fun, you don't know. Sometimes you don't know when to retire. But my dad always used to tell me, he said, you'll know when it's time. And uh, so I'm at 42 years. If I can make it another three and make it to 45, I think I'll be, I think I'll be satisfied. Can you remember any favorite broadcasting moments that just come to mind right off the bat? Yeah. Um, one game I remember uh, when I was at Otterbein, even though that was college radio, but still counts. Uh, Otterbein was played in Division Three, so we got to go down to Savannah, Georgia, and play Savannah State. Now, Savannah State currently is a Division One program. They've made that progression from Division Three all the way up to Division One. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, uh, Dick Reynolds was the head coach at Otterbein, and he was kind of we used to call him Digger Reynolds because he was almost like Digger Phelps, and he patrolled the sidelines like like uh, Digger Phelps. And so Coach Reynolds is a great coach. I think he went over 600 and some games, probably 700. Um, but he took a team. Our tallest player was Steve Johnson. He was 6'3". And we had all these – we would have one three guy and all these little guards that could shoot, like Ron Stewart and Dino Guansel, um and, and, and Joe Benson and all these guys that could shoot the ball. And one thing about Coach Reynolds, he always had one or two big guys, but he had all these shooters all over the floor. So we go down we play – Savannah State, which is a predominantly black school, and they have all these skyscrapers. They got guys 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". But the thing with it is, our guys were so quick. Uh, and then we were underdogs, because that was the Division Three semifinals. Mm-hmm. And we go down there, and, and I'm working with Dom Tiberi, and Dom said, we get blown out. We're going to do a short post game and get the heck out. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And so... Um, I was doing color. He did play-by-play because that was Dom's last year. And then the next year, I succeeded him on play-by-play. So we get down there, and we go into three overtimes. We beat them 91-88 to 88 on their court. And, you know, Dom, you know, Dom said, man, these guys are tall. I said, yeah. I said, but you know what? They ain't faced a team that could shoot the ball quick like us, can run and gun. You know, they had never faced a team that could run and gun with them. And so – you know, Savannah State was winning games like one on one to fifty and ninety five to forty, and but they didn't have a they never faced a team like Audubon. So, and I always have I'm always an optimist. So, um, Dom said I don't think we're going to win. I, said, I think we are. So anyway, we got down ten early, and then they called a time. The Colonels called a timeout. And then after that, we were in the game the whole way. And then we won the game when uh, Ron Stewart, who was our best scorer, he was five eleven. And I think he had 35 points in that game. But anyway, he scored on a on a on a field goal and one, and that that gave us the difference in the game. But that was one one uh, broadcasting um, highlight as far as when I was a color commentator. As far as play by play, one game uh, I was doing a game one time. Um, oh, I was we, the Lancaster. I, I did games in Lancaster, and Lancaster was playing a team. I can't remember who was Finley. But Lancaster was down, like, by 15 points. They just could not hit a shot. Mm-hmm. Then it got to the point where they were trading baskets, 
then Coach Jack Greathouse, who was a great coach, no pun there, but he made a couple key substitutions of guys who hardly ever played, but they came in for defense. And they shut down the two top scores, and then they went on like a 35-2 to two run and in a way, in, in, ended up walking away with the game. I think they won something like 95-70, to 70, and they were down like 10, 15 points. So those are a couple games. I mean, probably, there's probably some others, but those are two games that stick in my mind. Stuart, what are some of your favorite things about sports, not only in Southwest Ohio, but Central Ohio? Um, favorite things? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, um, be a little bit more specific. I'm trying to think here. They give me a chance to think a little bit. Okay. Um, well, basically what I'm asking is just what's your favorite things about not only working in sports, but just witnessing sports. I, I know the main theme when I ask this question for other guests, it's just there's something for everyone down in Southwest Ohio. I mean, if you like a sport, it's down here. And, uh, I mean, everything is is available for any fan. So that that's kind of what I'm getting at, like – just your favorite things about sports around here that maybe aren't in another part of the United States or anywhere else? Well, um, I tell you, um, I just, I just like being able to just travel around a couple of, you know, I do stuff with the Bengals and I, I, you know, I do the Reds every once in a while when I can, uh, I just like, I like the variety. Um, you know, I'm in Dayton. I, you know, I'm here in Columbus. Uh, anything here is 20 minutes from my house. Um, I just, I just like the fact that I get a chance to cover a variety of stuff, and, and, and it's right here in the state. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can go up to Cleveland. Um, uh, you know, do the. Uh, I don't do much. Like I said, I don't do much with the NBA or the Cavs, but you know, the Indians. I don't do the Browns because I do the Bengals. Um, but uh, just, just just the fact that you know I get a chance to cover uh, this Ohio this Ohio sports and it's just such a variety. I mean, like here in Columbus, I mean, you know, when I you know when I came here, this was just a Buckeye town. Now you got the Blue Jackets and the Crew and and the Clippers have always been a mainstay. They've always had a winning tradition, so that and that's nothing new. But uh, just the fact that I I don't know if it's answering your question right, but just the fact that you know, I get a chance to cover all this stuff, you know, which, and I have time to cover it, which is basically, I, sometimes I wonder how I have the time to do all this stuff. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. What would you like to see in the future of area sports or area media? Like, what do you want to see happen in sports? Like, addition of teams, leagues, uh, media, more radio stations? What would you like to see in the future? Well, I tell you what, I think I mentioned something like that earlier. Um, some of the fans here want us to get an NBA team. But I don't think that ever happened because there's too many NBA teams right around. You know, Detroit's not far away, Indianapolis, Cleveland. I don't think the Cavs would ever let that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the uh, NBA Development League, I, I could see that. Uh, maybe get one of those, maybe a WNBA team. Uh, I'd like to see that. Um, I'm trying to think. If, if we've got everything else. Um I think Columbus, if I remember right, is supposed to be getting a minor league soccer team too to take over 
at Moffrey Stadium when the other team goes downtown when that opens up next year. And this has been kind of a sad year because this is going to be Moffrey Stadium, one of the last times we'd be there for games. But I think next year there's going to be a few games we'll be there, and then they'll close it out. And that's going to be a training facility. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see us get some – and then like the indoor football, I'd like to see that come back. Those are the things I, I would like to see. Didn't Columbus once upon a time have a development team, the Columbus Horizon, and they were on WCOL or something like that? Yes, you're right about that. I love covering the CBA. Um, the CBA, you know, Cassie Russell was a coach here. Mm-hmm. We had Bill Klupas, who was one of the great scouts in the NBA. Um, th- th- we saw a lot of good players come through here. We saw uh, Ron Spivey. We saw Chris Childs. Uh, let's see who else. We saw Greg Anthony come through here. Um, we had some great players. The Columbus Quest was here. I wouldn't mind seeing, like I said, women's basketball come back. The Columbus Quest, they were good the three or four years they were here. Katie Smith was on the team. Uh, we had some of those Tennessee volunteer uh, players on the team. I mean, it was great. Uh, we had a couple Purdue Boilermakers. I think Janine Rowland was on the team. We had some great teams here. I got to cover that, and, um, and uh, that was a great experience. And they played their games down the convention center, but Tell Hall, that place was always rocking. I mean, they were they would sell out every game. Uh, and the ABL, only thing about the WNBA came in and bought out the ABL, and it's and you know we we knew when that happens. Oh boy, there goes our team. Uh, but I'm glad the 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 um, the Quest was able to win the title two years in a row because those were some great teams. And I know the ladies they would love to see women's basketball come back here. That's something I think. That we, we that would fly here if they could bring it back. What advice can you give for folks wanting to become part of the media or the broadcasting industry? Only thing I can tell them is this is not a nine to five job, and I think you know that, Lee. There's things I do when I come home from work. Um, uh, have, you got to have a stick to itness to this job. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it because a lot of people used to tell me because I'm black that, oh, you're not going to make it in this business, not for you. Well, nobody's going to tell me that because I'm a hard worker. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people know me because they see me everywhere and they know I work hard. And I think that's why Lou Vito and, and Judy uh, Vito and Chad Wilson, why they hired me because they know I, my, my, uh, my reputation is I'm a hard worker and I'm reliable. They don't ever have to worry about if I'm at work or if I'm covering games or whatever. They know they'll, I'll get the job done. Uh, you got to be able to, to work long hours. Uh, there is no, oh, I have to take off this weekend because I got my girlfriend. It's none of that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're that kind of person, you're not going to make it in the radio or TV or any of this kind of media stuff because it requires a lot of time. It requires uh, uh, not only zeal and zest, but it also requires your attention uh, stick to itness. You got to work hard. You got to earn it. Nothing's in all these kids nowadays. They want it now. It's not going. I I thought I wanted it now. It's not going to happen. I really didn't start thriving in this business until I was five years in. 1984 was the year that 1984 was the best year. That was when my career really jumped off um, because I worked three. You're not going to believe this, but I did. I worked for three radio stations at one time. I worked for. Um, uh, w uh, uh, CBO. Mm-hmm. I did the sports for them. I worked for CTNT, which was the bomb, which was was cable television radio, which was unheard of back in the day. But Keith Willis 
Frank Kelly. That was his moniker. He was Keith Willis in Dayton at WDLO. He was Frank Kelly at w, um, uh, VKO here in Columbus. He went to school with my brother at Roth, and I got to meet him. So he gave me an air shift and worked with me, and I got really good on the air. And then I worked for Kicks 106 in, in um, London. And so one night on the air, uh, I used to have the overnight shift, and uh, Joe Bello, he said, he was listening to me in the car, he called in on the hotline, and he said, Stu, you're sounding really good here the last few weeks. What's been going on? He knew I worked at... Um, he knew I worked at WCBO. He didn't work. He didn't. I worked for CPT because I only worked for him like on the weekends, and then I I would come in and work when somebody didn't show up or whatever or late or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, because London's only forty minutes from my home, so um, and I've always lived on the east side or south side, so I was always close to the freeway where I get to where I got to go. Mm-hmm. So I got good in this business because I was willing to put in the time, and then my wife. She ran me around. Uh, we had a little van, so I would sleep in the van in between jobs. She'd run me to where I had to go, and I had to, you know, obviously had to give her a little bit of money on the side. But right. uh, I was willing to put in the hours and the effort necessary to make it in this business. And anybody can make it in this business, male or female, if you're willing to do the work. You got It's got to be. You got to get down there. It's got to be. You got to be gritty. You got to got to know how to get down there and. And, and willing to work. If you're willing to work, you're going to be successful like Lee and like me. Absolutely. Uh, Stuart, how can people follow your work and you on social media? Okay. Um, <laughs> on uh, Facebook, Facebook, I got a mega sports page, mega sports news page. Uh, that's on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is Stu Mason at mega sports news. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram is uh, Stu underscore Smith 25. Now, Smith is my mother's maiden name, and 25 is my favorite number for uh, my uh, uniform number from playing uh, baseball and softball all those years. Very good. Uh, Stuart, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a lot of fun learning about you. And, again, visit megasportsnews.com. Uh, thank you so much for giving me uh, an hour of your time today. No problem, Lee. Hey, thank you uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. And anytime you know it, I'm available for you. No problem at all. Thank you, Stuart. And that will wrap up episode 162 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. We'll talk to you again for episode 163. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app. Then search for the local Sunday Sports Group to submit your future Mowen's Mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.